of Justified Pursuits. I'm Cable Smith alongside Chisholm Cook. Man, we are living in crazy, maybe the craziest of times, to be frank. And Chisholm, I'm jealous because you're headed to the uh, ranch this weekend to deer hunt and get away from it all. Yeah, I don't know how far removed I'll manage to get from it. Um, Turn your phone off, I would. (laughs) Well, yeah, that and, you know, my mom and dad will be down there and they're on opposite ends of this this battle these days, so... (laughs) Yeah. We'll see. I kind of have a feeling my mom's going to have a uh, <clears throat> uh, an ear-to-ear grin that she can't wipe off for 48 hours. But uh, yeah. something I've said, thought about several times is uh, as sort of, you know, frustrated clearly as, uh, as all of us in the Republican camp are at the moment. Um, just imagine... Uh, <laughs> Had it gone the other way, I, th- I think we're all holding up far better than our Democratic counterparts would be, and certainly than they were four years ago. So, for whatever that's worth. Hashtag not my president. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, that's well, that's because one uh, side holds themselves with more class, esteem than the other. Like um, someone in your family, you sent me a picture, was wearing a F-U-C-K Trump shirt and putting that on her Instagram. So... Like, yep. I don't see us say, I don't, I'm not going to get a shirt that says F Biden. Like I, no. it's, it is what it is. It's, I felt the same way when Obama got elected two times. Uh, but I, you know, I didn't say that. And at the end of the day, I was praying for our country to rally and uh, make, make changes the next time. The mo- amount of animosity and hate towards Trump. It wasn't even a, a, a Biden, like Biden had really nothing to do with this election. The guy's clearly one step away from vegetable status. Um, which, like we talked about previously, he's 78, so can you blame him? No, that's the average age of death in our country. But it was just uh, people voting because they hate Trump. So you either like Trump or you hate him. And uh, Biden was just kind of a figurehead in the whole deal. Yeah, we'll wait till they move to uh, remove him, um, I would bet, within this first year. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Which... That, I mean, these people that voted for Biden, that I don't think they understand the, the severity of that situation. You're taking the probably the most liberal senator in the United States and making her the president. Uh, I, 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 must, I must correct you. There's nothing liberal about Kamala Harris. Nothing. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> she is not a liberal man. She's a, she's she does not believe in liberty. That's right. She yeah. is, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, your point still stands. <clears throat> there's there's one note that I wanted to make here, just because I think it's par for the course for 2020. It has nothing to do with the election, but it does have something to do with I think why this election flipped upside down. You know, using the 210,000 deaths that we've kept hearing about from the Democrats, who wouldn't have done a damn thing different. Actually, more people would have died because Biden called Trump a xenophobe when he closed the Chinese border. Uh, but 
Did you see the story coming out of Denmark where the coronavirus has now mutated into their domestic uh, mink fur trade? Yeah, I think I saw it in, <laughs> on your Instagram to start Can with. Can you believe yeah. that? I mean, now we've got this mutated virus that is in mink, the ferret, uh, essentially. And it, in, in 12 cases, it has jumped from the mink back to humans. So I think that's, uh, that's concerning. First of all, uh, secondly, though, they're they're going to euthanize 17 million mink. Every single one, every mink in the country, they're going to kill. Uh, so that's just uh, that's kind of the world we're living in, man. I thought that was an interesting little side note there, uh, but it seems about right for this year. Yeah, it's a tough thing Sorry, for the mink. mink. <laughs> tough thing for the minks, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit! I hope this virus doesn't just keep jumping the shark from animal to human and mutating and. There'll, there'll be no, there'll be no, no vaccine will ever work if, if you were going to take it anyway. They're, uh, they're going to, they're going to use this, they're going to use this virus to control the population of the world until the population of the world stops allowing it. Yep. I'm, there's no I'm, doubt. There's just no doubt about that. Well, and that's coming, you know, once Biden's in office, we're going to see it tenfold. Um, <laughs> the unsolicited, here's, I'm not saying that there was enough voter fraud to overturn the results of this election i don't know uh so a lot of things seem fishy you know you and i both went to bed election night thinking trump's it's a slam dunk my brother who is a you know he despises trump had already texted me congratulations and i was like well let's say it wasn't just me the whole damn country went to bed tuesday night thinking that uh trump was on the path to victory yeah <laughs> wake up and like he was you know he was up seven points in wisconsin wake up and he's losing by a point and i i don't know how that happened but i understand those major urban areas uh they're obviously all pro-democrat because like we've discussed poor people want to keep voting for democrat who want to keep them poor so they keep voting for them it's a vicious cycle never ends chisholm yeah um i agree uh I, i was talking to some neighbors last night you know clearly the polls were wrong again um which you predicted uh, well, I just parroted from Robert Cahaley and the others who, yeah. but I told who you thought I was they clearly were concerned and you're like, no, nah, I think, you know, the polls are wrong. Don't. And clearly right. Florida was a perfect example of the polls, not amounting to a hill of beans. Right. But, you know, all that being said at the same time, you know, they weren't so wrong. It, that was still data that had some validity, right? It, it definitely still indicated that Democrats were motivated. Um, at, you know, at a bare minimum. And I think that uh, in the last two weeks, uh, the Trump campaign uh, did, did a great job mobilizing and motivating, you know, their voters. Uh, obviously, the Hunter Biden stuff, I think, helped probably turn off some whatever few undecideds were left <clears throat> for Biden there at the end. But, you know, this mail-in voting, voting thing was going on for a month. And you know, it doesn't surprise me one bit. Um, uh, let's just, I think to your point, let's just sort of table the whole fraud topic for a few minutes and, and try to be fair uh, and, and, and kind of open-minded and about be, Yeah, Yeah, be clear that, that right. I'm not saying that, that right. fraud costs Trump. No, no, yeah, you, you were clear. Like you said, you're, you're not sitting here saying you think there's enough fraud necessarily to overturn where it looks to be going. Right. Uh, my point is just that, you know, there were... They made it so easy for anybody who has even the slightest. Here was one of the things I was hanging my hat on that historically 
um, it's that, that negative emotion doesn't win elections that positive uh, ex, you know, enthusiasm does. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was clear. And, and I think everybody's having to come to grips with that, even the left now that the, the enthusiasm certainly over the last two to three weeks was undoubtedly behind Trump. Um, but because of the you know most prolific use of mail-in voting we've ever seen, the people who despise Trump but maybe weren't in love with Biden, they, they just made it so easy for them to just fill out a form and drop it back in the mailbox, right? Versus having to go stand in line. And I mean, how, how many people that even paid half attention and gave any credence to you know the 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 truth about the Biden family, you know, would have stood in line to go vote for him, um, or, or would have chose not to stand in line to vote for him, but were like, oh, this mail-in thing's pretty simple. You know what I mean? You follow what I'm Absolutely. saying? Like, well, and, and, and when you watch the way the counts went, it it played out that way, right? right? In states like Texas, where we had been counting the, you know, the mail-ins. For election day, at the beginning of the night, Biden had a pretty sizable lead in Texas. Uh, compare that to Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, where the legislature did not let them get a head start on counting mail-ins. The day of vote, Trump owned it. But unfortunately, the, the mail-in vote, Biden, you know, owned that and maybe even by a bit more, right? So, Right. Well, here's my thing with that. And, and I think if there is any fraud that's going on i don't know that it's at the where they're you know the vote counting um facilities i think that the fraud is in the mail-in balloting because when you go and vote you have to show your id you have to sign the thing they're sending out ballots unsolicited that's the first problem unsolicited just sending them out and how do i and this happened in texas i didn't even tell you this um my mother-in-law voted for obama in i believe 2008 this year and she's voted Republican every uh, presidential election since. This year, she got a ballot sent to her by the Democratic Party, unsolicited, didn't ask for it, just showed up at her house. Explain mm. that. I mean, that, that's in Texas, dude. Like, yeah. I thought we were not, like, like we've talked about, we're not immune to what's going on in the rest of the country, but I think we're a little sheltered here, protected. Uh, certainly didn't appear that, that way to me when she got the ballot. And that's happening in all of those blue wall states where they're just sending, here you go, Michigan, uh, Detroit, here's a couple of hundred thousand ballots. We're just going to send them out. Well, you know what? The, the dude's in a nursing home and his grandkid is filling it out and signing his name. Like that's happening. I don't know to what degree or if it's enough to flip the election. I certainly think that, you know, just sending out hundreds of thousands of, of ballots in mass randomly to addresses once that once were, once belonged or inhabited by registered Democrats is a sham. Yeah. Well, if they request them, like I'm okay with that. Like there's people that that because of whatever reason don't want to, or can't make it to the poll, but you need to request it. You need to say my vote matters enough to me to request it. Not just, I'm just randomly getting this thing in the mail and uh, I'm going to fill it out because it's convenient. Right. I mean, this is just another version of the, never-ending debate about like voter id laws you know you, you said a second ago you know you got to show an id da, da, da. that that's actually not the case everywhere in california it's not required at all there's not a single polling station in the state of california that requires you to produce an id to prove who you are 
anybody in California can show up and vote potentially more than once. Obviously, you know, illegal immigrants, uh, not here legally, can, that's redundant, but can go in and vote. Um, really? Yeah, dude. So I've mentioned mentioned this guy before, but Dave Rubin is one of the podcasts that I listen to. He's a California guy and uh, former, you know, liberal Democrat who's been red-pilled. And he was, he went and voted early two weeks ago. And he was like, yep, all I did was walk in and say, hi, my name is Dave Rubin. Here's my address. And they said, here's your ballot. And he's like, and there's no doubt in my mind, I could have walked in six hours later and told him a different name and a different address and gotten another ballot. Uh, and, you know, that's, <laughs> when you like look I at said, the popular it, vote results, the tipping point is always California. So, oh, right. I mean, if you just eliminated California, it's a tie uh, from a popular vote standpoint, which is why it infuriates me that they even mention it. Right. I mean, one of the things that uh, that uh, Biden said that um, maybe the, the speech he gave that night or, or may have been the very next day, but he was bragging about how proud he is to be leading the popular vote. I don't give a damn about your popular vote, dude. It, it's it's completely imbalanced by two states. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I say you if you eliminate California, that explains the entire popular vote lead for Biden. You eliminate New York, too. And I think that Trump's probably winning the popular vote by a percent or, or more. Plus you take those electoral votes out of it and it's a friggin' landslide. So let's talk right. about the electoral votes. I don't know if you saw what Colorado did, but they passed the, uh, <laughs> they joined the ranks of the states that have come out and said they will award their electoral college votes to whichever state, uh, wh- whoever wins the popular election. So obviously because of California and New York, that, that sways things heavily towards the democratic party in favor of them which is a load of of shit uh to be frank and i don't know legally like if they can do that i i don't know that we've seen this come down to the supreme court and i haven't had a chance to research it i don't know what what you know about that but they certainly the the people of colorado not only decided to dump wolves into the nation's greatest elk elk herd but now they're going to uh, award their votes to whoever wins the popular vote yeah, I don't know. I haven't looked into it myself either. Um, I do know that uh, that running these uh, elections, uh, even structuring how their electoral college votes are are uh, cast, is a state issue. Um, that being said, to your point, to me, and, and to be honest with you, I'd have to go back and look at the actual constitution language as it comes to all this stuff. It's not something that I've. Um, I really even remember coming across to be honest with you, but <clears throat> I don't, I don't know if that's federal legislative, you know, work that brought it to that point or if it's constitutional or kind of a mix of both. But point being, it's clearly undermining the idea of the electoral college to just, uh, I mean, it's what shocks me, dude, is it's a state giving up its right to its voice, man. Yeah, absolutely. Like, why, why don't you just give your senators to California too? I, Man, it is a sign of this continuing just erosion of any understanding of what this country is supposed to be about. And and it's all in the name of, you know, this leftward shift towards uh, nanny state, um, you know, big government, big, big brother intervention you know at the All same the time at the same time than that they're basically just saying here california new york we want to just do what you do you you show right. us how to do it now at the same time i don't know what the other states are i knew that it, it was they weren't the first it's double digits 
Uh, yeah, I think it's 12 or 16. It's one of those. Wow, really? Jeez, man. Yeah. I'll have to look it up. But I mean, are they all blue states? What, what, I guess one of the points I would make is Colorado voted blue anyway. And I expect them to, um, frankly, for the foreseeable future. I, you know, I mean, their it was, incumbent re- uh, Republican senator got his ass trounced in that. Right. Election. I mean, it wasn't right. close. But when was the last time they voted for a Republican in the presidential election? I, I would guess it was back during the W. Bush days, if even then. But my, my point is just that without seeing the list, I would think most of those states are already voting blue. And mm-hmm. so if the if the Democrats are going to consistently win this uh, popular vote majority, it doesn't really change things, uh, but it's still. Until it does. Right. Until it does. Until it, until it swings an election and man, there are, I've got a lot of reasons to be optimistic about, you know, where we're heading from here and we can get to those, but you know, if there's one huge reason I'm, I'm pessimistic, it's that um, that the left, the, we'll the left, well, that the left education system in this country has so corrupted uh, our nation's understanding of these issues, um, and they're so much more interested in quote safe spaces than liberty, which inherently is messy and is going to mean people get offended and uh, you know that sort of thing, like it. It's that coddling of the American mind thing. They they just think that the the more we turn over to Big Brother, the safer and happier and more prosperous we'll be. And that's just not ever been the case anywhere. Um, Speaking of Big Brother, I am a third of the way through 1984 now, so making some progress. Yeah, is it giving you nightmares yet, <laughs> dude? Dude, okay. I know you were texting me at four o'clock this morning. <laughs> yes, it, but okay. Here's why: I woke up to get rid of old beer and. Uh, after that, I mistakenly picked up my cell phone. Yeah. I don't know why I did this. And I looked at Fox News and then I looked at CNN. I always look at both because I want to on, on, I want to see what both sides are saying. You can't really get the truth from either, I don't think. I mean, I would trust Fox News more than the other, but I always look at both. And I'm looking and now there's, they're saying that the first headline was like Senate now in question. And I'm like, what? I thought this was a slam dunk for the Senate. Like that's, that's how we maintain our checks and balances. We're going to lose the presidency. Fine. I'm not going to sit here and cry about, you know, not my president, whatever Trump lost. Okay. Biden's the president, but we still have the ability to, you know, keep the filibuster to prevent BS, like the green new deal to protect the second amendment, to prevent court packing, all the things that we've talked about on the show. Um, we can still prevent that stuff from happening if we have the Senate. And now I'm looking at Georgia, and it's going to come down to the Peach State. What in the hell is up with you have an you have an incumbent senator winning by two full points at 49.8 percent of the vote as of nine o'clock on Friday morning, and they're saying there's going to be a runoff. He's beating a guy by two full points, and he's the incumbent. Why is there going to be a runoff? What kind of sense does that make? I, I was he has to get 50 percent. Or, like, now we're going to have these two many presidential elections in Georgia in January that are going to determine the fate of the country and whether or not we shift so far left that there's no coming back. So, do you know for sure? I, you know, I've been following Georgia all week, but I, I hadn't... David Perdue, yeah, is the incumbent. Against, right. And he's running against John Osselhoff. And well, I, I, 
Is, is there is I know so the, the cutoff is fifty percent, right? As long as yeah, you're got to get fifty percent, a vote over fifty percent, then it eliminates the possibility for a runoff. But is it a for sure runoff if he comes in under fifty percent? Because to your point, I, I thought when I glanced at it this morning that there was like for like for example, Fox has not declared it a runoff yet. Nobody's declared it a runoff right. yet. Is it statutory? Well, Mandated. The other one is definitely going to be a runoff. Right. And they, but she's been under 50 percent. Uh, yeah. Well, that's in that the, election. The Republicans are cannibalizing themselves. They have right. the majority like of the six, vote. Right. But it's split out between like three or four candidates. So. Well, and that's and, that, and that's why I think that. So the runoff will only be the two at the top. It'll be a Republican right. versus Democrat. Yes, and to uh, your point, there's enough aggregate votes there. Um I, I, I really do believe they'll win both of them if they both go to a runoff. But what I'm, what I'm just getting at is. If it holds that that the uh, that Purdue has a two percent advantage but doesn't hit fifty, is there any out of? Uh, Not I just, that I read, which is right, what was yeah. keeping me up this morning. Why yeah. I'm texting you at four thirty in the morning, be like, right. dude, I can't sleep. This is so disgusting. Like, oh my god, I thought the Senate was a the only silver lining of what's what we've seen come out. House too. The House we 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 took seats and. That that blue wave that Pelosi and everyone was talking about just didn't happen. Thank God, they picked, we picked up a seat in California. How did that happen? Like, yeah, well, I, man, I mean, it, I I think that what Trump was able to do, the Republicans were able to do in terms of turnout was, given the data we were supposedly looking at, was amazing. I mean, no matter what happens here, this was not what the Democrats were hoping for. They had wild-eyed visions of court packing of adding dc and and puerto rico you know none of even with a 50 50 split you have to realize none of that's happening now right you, you know you could look at it well <clears> very pessimistic still the tiebreaker right right i know you're right but think about it you've got a number of red state democrats in the senate we already there already was like joe manchin has cast votes uh even during this cycle with the Republicans because he's a West Virginia Democrat and his West Virginia constituency is actually conservative. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so there's just one example and there's actually there in this, in this Senate, there's already three similar examples of like fence sitting Democrats. Right. And so now you add, uh, I guess it would be three more, right. Let's say it's a 50, 50 tie. That will mean they have flipped <clears throat> three that, seats total if they win both of the georgia seats right first of all right exactly first of all they have to win both georgia seats and i just i really don't think that's going to happen uh just based on the voting that we that, that had occurred i don't see where the democrats find more votes for that right yeah uh, and if anything i think the republicans might find some more votes for that but let, let's, let's say it, let's say it happens yeah so it's a 50 50 tie you're gonna have a minimum of three to four senators uh, that will lose their reelection if they vote on court packing, like without question. So I just don't, I just don't see them going there. They would need, and, and, and to the point, like even when, you know, Chris Steyerwalt from Fox News, he's sort of the the politics uh, guru over there, particularly on polling and, and on elections, uh, you know, statistics and, and data tabulation and all that stuff. You know, he made this point a few weeks back that even if they won the Senate, it would be a one, maybe two seat margin tops. He didn't think that would give them the strength needed to, um, to, to pull off these revolutionary changes because, you know, even with a two or three seat majority, there'd be so many vulnerable senators 
Uh, you know, and people, I mean, listen, as much as we want to dog out Joe Biden, he's not for court packing, man. He's really not. He was playing politics with the issue. Um, it almost cost him the election. But, you know, he, he fought against ending the filibuster uh, when they did that during the Obama administration, when Harry Reid did that. He's fought, he's spoken out against court packing going back to the 80s. There are other, my point is, he was a senator. Uh, yeah, but we already know that he's not going to be president much longer. Yeah, yeah, I know. But I'm just saying there are more Bidens in the Democratic Party that will not be, that even on their, of their own morality and ethical, uh, you know, they won't be able to bring themselves to vote for court packing. And then when you couple that with the political pressure they'll be under because they're from red states, there's just not going to be enough, even in a 50-50 split Does with Harris. realize what would happen with court packing? It would be, okay, we're going to add this many seats. Okay, now the Republicans are pissed and there's a red wave and we take it, everything back. Now we're going to add this many seats to counter what you did. And it's never going to end, ever. Right, and I think that's why... <sighs> It's something we have to be concerned with and we should be motivated by and animated against, right? At the same time, I do think it's a little bit of a boogeyman. I think it's a typical left tantrum that they throw that only Vox.com and AOC and other wild-ass leftists um, are really serious about. I don't think that... I don't think there's enough political interest among the broader democratic uh you know cons uh, consensus to 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 bring that about for in for, for that's one of the reasons why right i mean because anybody with a brain knows it'll just become a nuclear arms race right mm -hmm. a court packing arms race every you know every time the other side takes the majority they just slam it fuller right so <clears throat> i don't know man i was shifting gears a little bit. You mentioned AOC. Unfortunately, she won pretty easily. Why the New York people decided? Well, let's reelect the bartender. I don't know. This, all four of the squad won their uh, reelections handily, uh, and they added one. They added the uh, known BLM activist. Uh, forget her, I think her name was Corey. Uh, I don't know if you saw that, um, but now there's five. The squad has grown by one. Yeah, that's fine. Um, I think the more publicity they get, the better that is for Republicans long term. Yeah, I think I it's would, I, I think it's the that. squad that you know helped eat into the House, uh, the the Democrats House majority. I think it's the squad that is. I really do think we're going to be fine on the Senate. Um, you know, uh, I think it's the squad that helped Trump almost overcome. Uh, you know, historic. You know, almost pull off another historic upset. I, <clears throat> let them spout their nonsense. They sound completely ignorant uh, and hateful, frankly, to anybody who's fair-minded. Although it it is concerning that they still have the level of popularity that they do throughout the country, and we have to be fighting their horrible ideas with better ideas. I, I, I hateful. I want to play this for you. It's uh, Joe Joy Reid. She's, I guess, a uh, MSNBC commentator. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure you've seen this in the news, but I think it's worth taking a listen to. Go for it. For him. But if somehow they manage to stumble into the Supreme Court, do any of you guys trust Uncle Clarence and Amy Coney Barrett and those guys to actually follow the letter of the law? No. Well, actually, yes. That's why they're appointed. Is uh, <laughs> what it, what it, textual 
judges, right? Uh, interpreting the letter right. of the law. And for her to say Uncle Clarence, we just took no. Aunt Jemima off the freaking syrup bottle, right? Because it was racist. And now an African-American woman can say Uncle Clarence? Are you kidding me? That harkens back to uh, Harriet Beecher Stowe, Uncle Tom's Cabin, which has been a derogatory term used towards African-Americans forever. As long as I've been alive, you can't go around calling someone an Uncle Tom. And she just referred to Uncle Clarence in the same manner. And gets a, no one cares. Like, nobody cares. Man, the left absolutely can do that. Um, it's funny. Uncle one of the other... Clarence. One of the other little nuggets of feedback that I got on our first uh, pass of the NBA BLM communism discussion was um, th- this that we this came up in that conversation and I don't remember exactly how but saying something about you know I, I listed off all of these brilliant conservative uh, you know black conservatives and how you know the left just calls them Uncle Toms and the guy I was talking to was like you know y- you said they right. And he's like, who did you mean by they? And what I really meant was, I mean, I think it's terrible, terrible when a black person calls another black person, Uncle Tom. I, I It shocks me that um, anybody could have so little respect, especially a community like that, right? The, the black community is tight for obvious reasons, right? And, and to have that kind of uh, derision and... Um, you know, just disdain amongst themselves because they may have different views is, is terrible. But, you know, jo- you know, my point is Joy Reid's a black lady, right? So if she wants yeah. to cast that around, it's not that different than, you know, black people getting away with, you know, using the N-word, you know, internally. Internally what's shocking, in their own circles, what's, what's right? Shocking, what's shocking is that white, you know, leftist journalists and things get away with throwing around the word Uncle Tom, to describe people like Clarence Thomas. And it's just another great example of, man, the racists are the left. That is all there is to it. Dude, have you seen the articles coming out of the Pacific Northwest where in Seattle over the last several years, they have had race training, racial sensitivity training within the city of Seattle uh, government. Mm -mm. And they segregate people by color to go into the training. There's a white training session and a people of color training session. Huh. And then I saw that in Oregon. Separate but equal. Jesus. Right, exactly. And then I saw in Oregon uh, just two weeks ago that they're doing that in schools. In the Oregon public school systems, they're separating children by color. That's just education. Okay. Dude, it's, you know, and, and, then, and, then, and then people like, you know, my sister and your brother think that that's the party of love and tolerance. It's, well, you just outed your sister. I didn't say it was your sister. It's fine. <laughs> you know. <laughs> It, it just uh, it's hysterical to me dude because they all speak politely at the same time getting back to speaking you know, politely we're, we're, but wearing a fuck trump shirt right like, we're gonna do this 1984 review uh here in the next couple of weeks and i was reading some of it this morning and i came across this one passage dude there's so much packed in the first chapter yeah in the first chapter of that book that is that is so shocking the foresight this guy had but he but he makes this comment that Makes you um, kind of wonder if time travel exists. Oh, dude! Like, did this guy know <laughs> it this melts stuff? my brain, man. In the forties, yeah. like unbelievable. I know, but um, he, he makes this comment about how they uh, they dis. He says they dismiss mora- something to the effect of they dismiss morality, uh, and then claim the moral high ground. That, that's so perfect, right? Like, you know, bro, we're the party we tolerate anything uh, except for anybody who 
claims to have principles, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and, and then they're bigoted and, and they, somehow they become the moral high ground. It, it's hilarious, man. Um, hilarious is the wrong word. Uh, yeah, he, he was almost clairvoyant. One of the things that we'll talk about in more depth, you know, you'd pointed out to me, you know, you'd asked me one day while we were gearing up for that. Did you know that George Orwell was actually a socialist? So yeah. I started doing some research and you're right. And to me, that makes this book that much more prescient. That makes it that much more uh, important that a leftist himself. Yeah, I was reading his saw, and I right. was shocked to see that. Right. But, but, but he saw where it goes. Right. And, and he's got, there's some writings out there and some, I think this interviews that he had had where he, he did explain, he's like, this is the problem with the leftist, you know, socialist worldview is that they, um, it, be, it becomes this sort of like, um, this snowball rolling downhill, it gains its own momentum. And the next thing you know, um, it, it's just, it. it's just sort of spiraled out of control. Right. right. And, and you end up with this, this group in charge that basically just looks down their nose at the rest of the, you know, the quote proletariat and dictates to them what is supposed to be. Um, so like I said, it, it, it only, it doesn't take away from what he wrote one bit. It only bolsters it to me that a socialist could be the guy who writes animal farm and 1984. Right. 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 So anyway. um, jump, jumping back to what's going on with the election. The biggest loser, in my opinion, well, number one, the pollsters all need to be fired. I think that's been documented, uh, <laughs> but just on both sides. I've seen it on CNN. I've seen it on Fox News. Like the pollsters couldn't have gotten it more wrong. Um, but the biggest losers, the American people. And here's why. Because we're, we're, gonna, we're dealing with this now. Trump is going to fight it. It's going to drag through the holidays. You're going to be sitting around Thanksgiving, arguing with your family members, and we should know the results on election day. This mail-in balloting stuff is, the, is I think, the real reason why we don't know for sure. Uh, I mean, it's pretty clear. Oh, yeah. If win. it had been just Tuesday's results, he wins. It's over. Right. Right. But, okay, here's the – my hang-up is you want, you want to do the mail-in balloting. Okay, you did it. Fine. You know when the damn election is. It's, this, it's the same every time. It's been on the calendar for four years. Why the hell are the votes not counted – Sorry, if it's not in by this date, by election day, it doesn't count. Just yeah. doesn't count. So, like this is well, th- that is total BS. Like, and and every state needs to be playing by the same rules. <clears throat> all, all the votes need to be cut off by this time in your time zone on election day. No exceptions. I don't care when it's postmarked. Any of that crap doesn't matter. It's, it's the election day has been set forever. So I don't understand why we're making all these exceptions. And and that taking it to where I want to go is. The stress, dude. Like, why am I up at four in the morning worrying about this shit? Well, it's because it's eating me up inside. And there's many Americans that are feeling the same thing. Like, the yeah. uncertainty, the economic uncertainty um, is, is another thing. Like, businesses are going to suffer. People's livelihoods suffering. I guarantee you, over the next however long this takes to sort it out, suicide rates are going to go up. I guarantee you that. Uh, and all this, it's just, it was so unavoidable. I mean, it was so avoidable that it's it's almost quite humorous to me. And the rest of the world has to be laughing at us. I don't see how they couldn't be. My PH from South Africa, um, he's texting me in the middle of the night. It was like, you know, afternoon there, uh, middle of the night here. And he's like, Trump's going to win. Trump's going to win. And I wake up and I'd send him a, a message on WhatsApp. And I'm like, no, Trump's going to lose, dude. He's like, no, don't tell me that. He's like, how do you guys not? 
and then and then it goes on for days and he's like how do you guys not you're you're the most important nation in the world you have the technology how is this dragging on i was like i don't really have a good answer for you doesn't make sense to me either yeah um so that's some of the areas where this uh court battle that's about to play out for us is going to be interesting because you know as we touched on each state runs its own process i mean to the point where you know nebraska and maine actually split their electoral college votes according to their uh congressional districting right so it, it really is state by state right mm-hmm. but uh, you know i'm sure you've seen and i'm sure most of our listeners have seen and heard in states like Pennsylvania in particular, and I think Michigan, maybe to an extent Wisconsin as well, for sure Pennsylvania though, you had the attorney general stepping in and ruling that, um, you know, ballots would be reconciled that were otherwise, you know, fatally flawed, right? So like the two signature thing, they, um, one of those states, I think it was Pennsylvania specifically said, um, they, so they have a law that says there's two signature signature places within the ballot and they have to match uh, and match your registration. I think in particular, they're supposed to check it against your registered signature. And he, within two weeks of the election, just passed a a resolution that said, Nope, don't have to do that. Um, We're going to count every vote no matter what. And so, you know, this is where the fraud aspect, right. The, the, the smudged, uh, the smudged, uh, uh, stamps the um postmarks right he you know yeah the the rule is in pennsylvania it has to have been postmarked by tuesday uh, tuesday i guess um but they're making exceptions to that so so those are things that those are going to be challenged on the fly which is you know um right there's no other way to explain it other than yes they're trying to to swing the electoral uh college votes in their state they're trying i mean they're trying to do that they were making all these changes this last month and it's because they started to see this. And the Supreme court of the United States wouldn't take the case. Right. And they're not going to have a choice this time though. They're, they're probably going to have to hear it. I. And again, I want to be very clear that I'm not saying that there was enough fraud to swing the election, but it sure, it just adds so much doubt and uncertainty like, why do you not want a transparent result? Like, why do we have to go down this road? I don't want to feel like, well, uh, I don't know if I'm getting cheated. Maybe, maybe not. I, I, I want to feel like the American people made their decision, and, and, that's, and that's where we're going. This is the future. But I don't feel like that. There's so much doubt. Yeah. The, well, and, and then when you couple in the things that happened in the middle of the night where 138,000 votes instantaneously appeared in Michigan for Biden and a hundred something thousand instantaneously appeared in Wisconsin day before yesterday, when Wednesday or maybe yesterday, Thursday, um, we're recording this on the Friday after the election. Um, thir- 30, 28, 28,000 ballots instantaneously appeared for uh, Biden not offset by a single vote in any of those three instances for Trump. Right. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people thought that, you know, a lot of people interpreted that as, Oh, they literally found a sack of mail-in ballots and that everyone in the sack was for, for Biden. And, but if you look into it, that's actually not what anybody's claiming. Um, They're claiming that it was a clerical error. So, so the, the, the precincts tabulate the votes and they enter that data each state's a little different right but i know for like in michigan they enter that data into some sort of spreadsheet that loads into some sort of database and then an independent uh private contractor 
is actually responsible for aggregating, fully tabulating, and basically providing the results. I don't really of the election, trust right? the term "independent" anymore after what we've seen with Twitter. Oh, independent fact checker. Okay, whatever. Right. Well, when the city of Philadelphia has been completely dominated by Democratic politicians for fifty years, right? And Rudy Giuliani said this on on Wednesday, I think. Then, yeah, why would anybody think that they don't have um, undue sway over that entire? structure and and they do they're they're leftist attorney generals changing Here's the rules that we talked about okay. right but but, but, the, but the point is like oh how convenient there was a clerical error in the middle of the night they got corrected that eliminated the the trump lead right. and as far as i've seen or heard maybe i'm looking at the wrong news but i haven't seen or heard of, of one such correction in trump's favor no but i just listed three in the three crucial battleground states that are all separated you know by less than half a percentage point uh three instances where six figure five and six figure swings all went in in biden's favor you know if anybody knows of an instance where it happened in trump's favor i'd, I'd love to know about it because it would give me some level of peace that's not a thing but yeah yeah <laughs> uh let me let me ask you about this and i didn't i didn't i didn't really plan on bringing this up but i, I thought it was interesting because my wife and I walked out of the precinct having cast our boat, our votes and both kind of looked at each other afterwards and was like, did you notice that the straight ticket thing was gone? Like, you can't do that in Texas anymore. And I went back and researched it. And in 2018, 2017, they passed a, a resolution saying no more straight ticket voting. You have to fill out each one, make your check your box every time uh, on on each um, political office that's uh, that's up for election. So anyway, I thought that was interesting. Now I'm seeing. I didn't realize that. Yeah. 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 You can't. You, you used to have straight ticket, and I know because I used to fill it out. Where's the Republican? Okay, I'm checked that, and I and I always did. Um, so it got me thinking. Like I'm looking at these other states. Um, what is the guy? Uh, is it Jones or Davis? The the guy that was running the business African American businessman that was running in Michigan. He, yeah, uh, J- James Jones, I think. James Jones. Okay. Yeah. So he's running against the white incumbent. And he's everything's looking good. Well, you know, about the same time Trump starts losing there, he starts to see his lead evaporate. And Michigan is now one of only six states that has uh, straight ticket voting. So I'm thinking, and uh, this would be an interesting study to find out if African Americans are willing to jump party lines. Uh, I would tend to think in today's racial climate that they're at least some of them are going to want to stick together like okay this guy's african-american i'm going to vote for him even if i'm voting for biden we didn't really see that in michigan because the straight ticket option was available and the the votes were consistent with biden and with the incumbent uh, i forget his name but doesn't matter uh and so i think they all just filled out straight ticket and it i think it cost them cost uh jones that election whereas if you look at georgia where they don't have straight ticket, um, you know, they're looks like they're going to vote for Biden, but at the same time, but Purdue is holding off. Yeah, Purdue is holding off. Right, and it's just uh, it's very interesting to see that dynamic of what a straight ticket. And like I said, there's only in I researched only six states have straight ticket now, and most of these resolutions, these changes have been adopted in the last ten years, um, just like Texas. So. That's just something that uh, I thought was an interesting note there. It seems like a good switch to me. I, I, I like making people think about it. 
I do too. I, you know, I walked out of it kind of like jar, like, oh, that's new, and but you know, it didn't affect what I did. Right. I, I, I have, I, you know, I'll be honest with you. I haven't voted every cycle, but in the cycles I have voted, I've never voted straight ticket. The the you know election I've admitted to having voted for Obama, I've voted for Republicans and Libertarians for basically everything else. Yeah. Um. In this cycle, I voted. Uh, Republican for everything but the Texas Supreme Court, where I voted Libertarian across each of those positions. Now, mm-hmm. you know, that was a burned vote. The Republicans swept. I will say, <clears throat> kind of on that note, relatedly, uh, God bless Texas. Yeah. So proud and happy to see that we are not uh, falling off the leftist cliff yet. You know, they were, the left was so adamant that, that he was going to, that Biden was going to win here. In and as Florida. it turns out, Right, right, but yeah, but I don't live in Florida. <laughs> I'm talking about here. That, that, to me, Florida. Florida and, up. Shout out! To, I'm proud of my of the the Florida Republican. Me, me too. I, I do feel a kinship to Florida now, uh-huh. um, because we're the two biggest, you know, what appear to be consistently Republican states, and it looks like Florida is getting more and more, uh, more and more resolutely conservative, uh, and and dude, and and in large part due to what you and I have said on this podcast. And I know I've been saying for years, Latinos, Hispanics, whatever terminology you want to use, but you know, people of central and and South American heritage in, well, and, and, you know, Cuba, et cetera, in Florida, Mm -hmm. generally speaking, those folks, wherever they're from Mexico, whatever that they're, they're conservative people by nature. And I mean, the principles by which they live. By and large. So it only makes sense. And it's the same thing we talk about with black families, man. Every, you know, Southern Baptist black family or uh, what's the uh, uh, AM African Methodist. Yeah, whatever. You know, black and Latino church going folks have conservative values, period. This is the natural place for them. And to see that shift coming, there was an article from in the New York Times yesterday uh, a, a black journalist in the New York Times wrote something basically saying that he was sick to his stomach to see that uh, Trump had actually, according to the exit polling, increased his share of uh, black male voters from 13 to 18 percent. Yeah. And actually had doubled his share of uh, black female voters from four to eight percent. Now, of course, you know, the, the reason that was posted was there's a perfect example of interracial racism, right? Like this guy's disgusted by these people having their own minds about things. Um, but it's a really promising trend for the future of, you know, republicanism slash conservatism in, in America that uh, you're seeing this, this, like you've described it, sort of awakening among minorities. My only concern is, Will the next Republican candidate be able to pull that off? Uh, I think you know there was something unique about it's a Trump, good sign. Dude. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 that yeah. columnist's name was Charles Blow, by the way. Yeah, Charles yeah. Blow, Blowhard uh-huh. Blow. Yeah, yeah. All of them, and they're using the the, the fact that 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 was a trend increased uh, um, pro-Trump results by minorities. The, the left is using that as America has. Their, their, their spin on it is America is still so racist. It shouldn't have been this close. Biden should have won in a landslide, you know? It's amazing. I know. Um, right. Uh, the the folks that um, the peop- the minorities that voted for him are, are clearly just like brainwashed by the white supremacy, I guess. It's it's insanity, dude. I, yeah. I, there's something I wanted to ask you. Um, 
you know, it's obvious. And then this isn't, this is as old as my recollection of politics, but by and large across the country, whether you're looking at the big map populated States versus more, more sparsely populated States, it's, you know, clear that the Democrats hold sway in denser populations, Republicans in uh, thinner populations. And then when you look at each individual state, uh, and certainly the case here in Texas, but, but literally everywhere. And, you know, the come from behind for Biden in Pennsylvania, it's because of Philadelphia. In Michigan, it's because of Detroit, Detroit right? Yeah. <clears throat> in Georgia, it's because of Atlanta. Point being, state by state or at a national level, it's a city versus rural, city mouse versus the country mouse thing, right? Yep. Why do you think that is? Going back to where we talked about Kim Classic in that video of her walking around Baltimore where she was running. She ultimately lost uh, her race, but it's I think it's because the people keep voting the same way. It's it's hard to break away from those chains. And, you know, well, and also leftist ideology is, is way more common in downtown Detroit uh, than it is in, let's say, Abilene, Texas, right? Um yeah, for sure. But I guess my question is more geared towards exactly that. Why do I think you think that is? Thing. They keep because they keep. Yeah. Well, they they are enablers. The Democratic Party is enablers. They say here's more free shit for doing nothing. You don't want to work, fine. Uh, and the, and we've already talked about all the no man in the house things. I mean, we don't need to dive back into all that stuff we've previously d- gotten into. But they keep, and you even said one time. Well, maybe these things came from a good place originally, but the the results, the effects, right. have profound negative impact on minorities. Uh, it keeps them oppressed. It keeps them down. But they keep promising them, you know, it's like, uh, here's you're the mouse, here's the piece of cheese. Do you, do you want to keep getting the cheese for free? Or do you want to have to p- pull up your bootstraps and actually go to work? Well, I mean, I think that's a lot of it. Uh, for, for the, from the minority standpoint. And then you have, in major metropolitan areas, you have big universities. I mean, that's why Colorado's flipped. Uh, not this election, but over the last, let's say, 15 years, whatever it is, you have Denver and Boulder making the decisions for the entire state. Um, and by and large, those are young, you know, those are younger metropolitan areas. That are, I mean, I have friends from Texas that have moved to Denver, just be in the mountains. Well, and then they get indoctrinated with that culture and um, uh, you know, I think it's, I think that has a lot to do with it is as far as the, the Caucasian side of it, um, just has a more leftist mindset in those areas. Right. So what's here, your take? Yeah. So my theory on it is essentially that the, the more you pack people into a smaller and smaller space uh-huh. or, or, you know, say a steady space, but you're packing more and more people into it the more that that communal mindset takes root and the more dependent on the day-to-day services that a city offers. And I mean, everything, not just, you know, not just public housing or welfare checks, but you know, your trash getting picked up on time, your water working when you turn it on and being sterile for you, you know, flushing the toilet and the poop going away and you never have to worry about where it went. Right. That that's all, to me, you know, everything you possibly need with being within maybe a short walk of your apartment or your, you know, your inner city uh, neighborhood, mm-hmm. grocery stores, you know, convenience stores, et cetera. There is no, 
real requirement for self-reliance within a city. Everything's basically provided. And, you know, you're crammed in with other people. So it's it may somewhat inevitable. Maybe you think as much about others, maybe as you do about your own liberties and freedoms or, or whatever. Right. But I guess to me, that that's what it comes down to. And part of this, you know, originally justified pursuit was supposed to have a real hard hunting and fishing sort of bend on it because of our, <clears throat> you know, that being our, our passion yep. passions. Right. But you know, even that in this context, like these are end up being people and and I want more focused on the suburbanites, right. Or, uh, you know, the, the urbanites with the, with the white collar jobs, right. Um, I don't care what color their skin is, but the, the class, the, the, the economic class maybe, right. Uh That's where the Republican party is losing, right. It's not just with the minorities that are, you know, to your point, uh, the, the, the Kim classic ad, it's not just that that causes it. It's this, this urban mindset among, uh, like I said, the, the, the white collar class, they don't know how to do anything anymore if need be on their own. You know, like I, I live, I live in a neighborhood, but it's in a rural part of, uh, the hill country north of san antonio right we have a septic mm-hmm. system dude the vast majority of city dwellers don't know what the hell a septic system is they don't know what the hell they would have to do if all of a sudden their sprinklers started stinking right they right. they they wouldn't have they may not even be aware that if they had a septic system what that even means how it works that it's a tank in their backyard you know what i mean like there's there's this reliance on the services and amenities of this of a, of a major city that I think end up driving this, well, we got to have more than that. We got to turn more of that over to the city. Cause I, I don't know how to do it anymore. Right. I don't know how to go right. procure my own food. I don't know how to garden. I don't know how to hunt. I don't. And, you know, I was having this conversation with a guy that I work with and, you know, he was like, or no, a guy from church. And he, he was getting to what you were getting at about the work ethic issue. Well, dude, I happen to know for a fact that the vast majority of attorneys in this country are quote liberal democrats right right um they're the ones by and large driving these policies i can assure you that many of them work way more hours each week than i do they work their asses off i mean it's not a now they're doing desk work right they're doing mindless, you know behind the computer screen mindless desk work and maybe many of them don't have a clue how to do anything physical um some of them do but it's you know it's it's not I don't think it really has hardly anything to do with work ethic. It's, it's more uh, empowerment to do certain things for yourself. Right. Uh, To me, to me, that's really where it comes down to you. You cram all these people into a super densely populated area and by default, they're just going to become dependent on the system. Yeah. Well, Um, I think that word communal mindset that you used, I, I, you know, I could certainly uh, say that's a valid take on it yeah it's, it's like contagious. i said it's contagious right. you're all right. crammed into this area oh yeah the city makes it so easy for me let's uh let's all vote democrat i still think there's something to the fact that the that they're enabled and it might be the same thing the same thing the city's enabling them so yeah it, you know you added something to my thought process there and that that is this idea that it does create a herd mentality right mm-hmm. like imagine being you or i and trying to live in manhattan and you know, I spent a lot of time in Manhattan. My wife lived there when we were when I was courting her, and uh, 
you know, New York was cool to visit. And she she lived on the Upper East Side of, of Manhattan. But as soon as visiting time was over, I was ready to get the hell out of there and back to Texas. Right. I mean, it, it's an amazing city and it always has been. And But my, my point is, like, if you're in that sea of humanity that n- is ever present on Broadway or, you know, I, I don't know the whole geography of New York, but, you know, just the, the fact that every major street, it's like shoulder to shoulder herds of people walking around all the time, right? You're almost kind of like you can't stop and take a look up because you're getting run over by people who have somewhere to go. Right. Right. Where. So, so you know, you, you, thinking about it in the terms of a herd or a school of fish, like you pretty much have to go with the flow, literally physically go with the flow. And so why would it n- not be ex- expected that you would then go with the flow, um, you know, from a political perspective? And again, when those mm-hmm. policies are necessary for your survival, because you've uh, you've you've uh, removed yourself from any way of surviving independently, right? As an individual, I mean, the reality is anybody who lives in the country, they don't need anything mm-hmm. because they know how to do shit, whatever that might be. Getting their trucks running, right? Getting their mower running, getting a garden planted, hunting, shooting a deer, skinning it, quartering it, and putting it away, right? As a side note, uh, there's a great art, uh, episode of the Joe Rogan Experience out. Uh, I think they recorded it on Wednesday where he's got Steve Rinella in. Um, you know, Steve personally, I'm one of, I'm just a huge fan of his, but yeah. uh, he was talking about how um, they, they were talking about producers getting in the middle of creative work, right? When it comes to television stuff. And Steve told this story about a basically like a fight that he had with a producer on the meat eater show where this guy, you know, imagine, you know, your typical LA Hollywood guy. Right. Right. And he, and he asks Renola, so, um, so, so what can you use to, to like, to, 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 you know, cut up the, this animal? And Steve's like, I can use anything. <laughs> he's like, he's like, I can use anything from an ax to a scalpel. Why? What, what are you getting at? And he goes, well, we'd really like you to do it with a machete. <laughs> and Steve was like, you know, the thing about these people is like in, in, in their world, there's no such thing as the right way to go about something. Right. It's all just a show. It's all just, let's make this look outrageous for television. Mm-hmm. He's like, nobody has ever butchered a damn deer carcass with a machete. Nobody, <laughs> you know, I, I use a, about a three inch long little folding pocket knife. And I can, I can, I mean, you've seen me, I can debone the animal with that thing. Anyway. You're like, okay, well, get out of my way. I got this. You go, right. you go get the, uh, the staging area ready. We were going to put, That's right. a little, he's a little more uh, adept at, at actually the butchering process. And so uh, any, and you like it. I mean, not that I dislike it. I like getting blood on my hands, uh, but you like really, really like it. I do. And 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 it's because that's the work that's necessary for the ultimate goal to me, which is putting the food on the table, right? The killing part. Most, most people think, and the only reason I'm getting into this is because to me, it's a little, it's kind of a microcosm of uh, this, this bigger divide between the American left and the American right. You know, Um, there's this, uh, speaking of Rogan, he always quotes this, uh, this samurai named, I think it's Hirohito, Hirohito Musashi. I know the guy's name is Musashi. And he wrote this book called The Way of the Five Rings. And he has this quote that he always cites, which is, once you see the way broadly, once you know the way broadly, you will see it in all things. 
right? So in other words, like there are threads that tie all of these conversations together. And it's really hard a lot of the times to keep your mind straight on how they interrelate. But so this, that being said, this, this hunting thing and the way that the left sees hunting is a microcosm of the way the left sees uh, conservative Americans in general, right? As rubes, as unsophisticated, right? And so this, this LA, you know, television producer dweeb looks at Renella, uh, who I, I guarantee is probably more intelligent and probably infinitely better read than this person was, right? Sure. Like there's almost no doubt to me that Steven Renella has three times the knowledge in his brain that this dweeb that recommended a machete use, right? Yeah, but you know, that, that deer up with a machete, please. It'll be great for TV. Right. Like he, he no, thought of it I'm as going to teach everyone the, the wrong way to do this. No, shut the hell up. Right. He thought of it as, you know, as clearly more, you know, as, as better television jarring oblivious like to the fact that any, any fan, anybody who watches meat eater, anybody who watches Renella's show, if they saw somebody hacking at a deer with a machete would turn it off because it was so ridiculous and out of, uh, out of line with the way any hunter would do that. Right. But to, to them, like we do it for the blood, we do it for this, uh, insatiable, you know, bloodlust and, and, and violence or some nonsense. It's like, no, oh, yeah. what we yeah, all yeah. want to do my, is my dispatch the animal quickly and put right. the meat away cleanly. Like, anyway, I've experienced that hateful mindset, uh, for 12 years, as long as I've been hosting a hunting and fishing talk show. Like to the tune of, you bastard, hope your kid gets hit by a 18-wheeler yeah. today. I mean, it's just, but hey, that's the tolerant left for you. So uh, so tolerant. Yeah. Um, as we're wrapping things up, I think we do need to take a look at Trump's reaction, to be fair. Like, has, has he gone overboard, like, just claiming that he won Pennsylvania? And now with all, these, with all this litigation that's coming down over the next couple months, um, you know, he's always acted somewhat childish. He's our child, but, you know, arrogant child throws a fit sometimes when he doesn't get his way. Uh, part of me is like, I want due process. I want a fair election. If there's, if there's corruption, I want it pointed out so that this can never happen again. Uh, but part of me is just like, Trump, man, you lost. Shut the hell up. And right. I don't know what, what, where, where are you at? No, with, with his reaction, uh, exactly what I expected. Um, to he your point, out. I mean, he called it to a T. Yeah, well, and he was calling it for months before before election day. I, mm -hmm. To me, I, you know, we we talk a fair bit about the yin yang concept, right? Uh, the other day, I think I mentioned something about uh, the internet being the sharpest double edged sword. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm a firm believer. You know, if you go into an interview, job interview. Uh, and you, particularly if you're dealing with an interviewer who's not real sophisticated and didn't maybe familiarize themselves with your resume, you're probably going to get get asked a super generic question of, uh, give me your top three, like best strengths and top three, you know, worst weaknesses. For me, those three things are always basically mirror images of the same three things, right? Mm -hmm. I'm, um, you know, if you're super dedicated and focused on work, um, that can lead to problems at home, which then can lead to problems at work. Right. 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 Um, it, that, that being just an easy grab example, right. You, you got to have balance. Uh, but you also have to understand that, that, that you're, uh, 
your strengths will turn into a weakness if left unchecked and, and not balanced. And so with Trump, you've got a fighter, um, a guy who never gives up. And, you know, I've mentioned, I read his book, Art of the Deal. He has been a lit, I, I mean, I was calling that this would happen uh, before the virus, you know, earlier, way, way early in this election cycle, even during the primaries, I was like, oh, you can bet your butt that particularly if it's close, if he'd gotten, if the polls had been right and he'd had the floor mopped with him, you know, with his, with his comb over, then maybe he would have stood down, but it's close. It's really, really close. And he has taken every matter um, of conflict throughout his life in business to court, uh, including suing the NFL, um, you know, for basically antitrust uh, monopolizing the, the, uh, the sport of football. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so, so I knew he was going to do this. Um, and it's in large parts in some of the things you said, yeah, you're right. He, he's a, I think, I think his greatest weakness and probably the single thing that ends up turning the most voters off is exactly what you said, that he is childish is a, a decent word. He's, a he's, um, reactionary and, um, yeah, yeah. Just doesn't, he doesn't take criticism. Well, he doesn't, he doesn't appear to be very you know introspective at times yep. and you know all of that leads to a mindset of screw you i'm fighting um but that's the that's that's the yin and yang of, of that whole situation right on, on one hand you've got a guy who uh kind of lives in his own world and refuses to accept criticism or, or maybe reality around him on the other side that causes him to be motivated to fight um which you know you know, it's entirely possible that some, some serious corruption gets unveiled here. Like, okay, what, what if this happened, right? What, what if, what if he challenges all this and it gets all the way to the Supreme court? And at the end of the day, the election stays the same Biden wins. Right. But we may, both expect will happen. Right. But, but maybe, a, maybe one of the States gets flipped that Biden held, you know, if he has, he doesn't need Pennsylvania if he wins Nevada and he holds the Arizona thing. Right. Um, I don't, I don't know, you know, maybe, maybe a hundred, maybe he wins Pennsylvania and they overturn that, but it still doesn't overturn the election. Right. right. Maybe, maybe they look at Pennsylvania and they say, Nope, y'all jimmied around with everything. Turns out Trump actually won it, but it doesn't matter at the end. Cause Biden still got to 270. That would be worthwhile. That would drive a, a conversation over the next two years to your point about what elections need to look like in this country. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, well, they sure as shit don't need to look like this. So I agree. But my point is just that, like, the, the same mentality that antagonizes the hell out of everybody that can't stand him causes him to fight basically every battle, and some of them are worth fighting, right? Yeah. yeah. So I will say what, what, he, what he has done is expose corruption in his term, and God knows what would have happened if Hillary would have been elected. So kind of even, even though he looks like he's on his way out, uh, policy-wise – until the virus, I mean, everything was humming along. He was, it was a slam dunk. You know, re-election was, I, I even saw he would have won, the, he won for, if it wasn't for this virus, dude. No, I even saw Ronella's thing. He made a bet with his wife like two years ago. They, they showed it on uh, Instagram and he was like, yeah, he, he's going to be a two-term president. I'll bet you a hundred bucks. Yeah. And I'd never have heard Ronella talk about politics. Um, but he, I mean, it was, it was a sure thing. So I don't know. I think we'll look back on, on his presidency as, um, as a success, you know, policy-wise, but also as, do we really have a child running the, 
the most powerful country <laughs> in the world for four years. I mean, that's that's kind of what it looks like. To me. But well, again, it, lo- it looks like now we're now on. we're gonna have a, a scene out on man. Yeah, yeah, that's true. For for who knows how long? Maybe six months, maybe a year. Right. Uh, but you and I don't vote on personality. We vote on vote on policy, and that's ultimately why he's not going to get reelected. Is not everyone does that? They vote on personality. Right. Hey, I think Trump's an ass. I don't want my kids to be looking up to. Hey, I'm not. I'm not asking the president, nor am I asking athletes to be role models. Would it be nice? Yeah, sure. But that's that's not the job. That's not in the job description. So. So to me, the, the single biggest corruption that he has exposed, although it was not a secret prior to 2016, but the, the quote, I guess, mainstream media slash tech slash social media grip on information in this country um, is a it's just such a serious problem, man. And, you know, oh my this, God. this if we lose the Senate. It's, it's only going to be a million times worse. And if you know, right. that was the thing that I was hoping that, that was the number one reason why I wanted Trump to win was because of protecting the First Amendment, free speech. Right. Yeah. And and, and we'll be able to if the Senate is held, um, it's crucially important. Um, but so so there's two sides to that coin too, right? Like it's it's abundantly clear. The media would run with any little BS, they would manipulate his words. Uh, you know, deliberately misinformed by clipping what he said, right? And then this Hunter Biden stuff starts coming out, which, as I pointed out, the left had already been reporting about a year ago. Now they pretend like it's not a thing, and Twitter censors every single thing coming out of his account right now. Like right. that's oh, dude, that's a that's Dem- such a huge problem. But then the you second saw the Dems are calling for his count to be suspended. Yeah, right. It's unbelievable. The president. Right. He's still the president. He's uh, the president. Uh, Right. He's still which, the president of the United States. And they're saying, you know what? Twitter disable his account. Right. What which the, touches on the what the, the hell? Yeah. It touches on the flip side of the coin for me, which is the number of Americans that uh, are either willfully because of their political tribalism, um, just uh, ignoring it or, or lying about it. But I, I think the bigger problem is because I don't think that's the majority. I don't think that's half the country. I think half of that half, a quarter maybe of the country, um, maybe maybe twenty percent of the country, buys what they're told, and doesn't challenge it, and does buy the narrative that anybody who does challenge it is a conspiracy theorist, and that's a problem. You know, that's why that's why Alex Jones has called his company Infowars all this time. There's a there is a there is a war raging in our country every day over truth. Fact, yeah. fact is better, not truth. That's a that's a war too, but the two are kind of separate to me. <clears throat> truth incorporates incorporates more, right? Truth can be spiritual; it can be more. But fact is just like what happened and what didn't, right? And there is a going back to last week's podcast. Were you born with a dick or not? <laughs> exactly. Okay, that's a fact, <laughs> right? And, and and so we have this we have this war on the facts, and um, that's one thing you know. I feel like America is waking up to, and I think Trump. Uh, help push us towards that but i don't know that it gets better because it's still going to come down to how diligently people go seek information and how and how critically they think about the information that they find and apply it and make decisions on it right i think that our biases cause us to naturally filter things that challenge those biases 
uh, and gravitate towards that confirm them. Right. I, I say that. I think that that's, that's not my original thought, right? That's kind of, I think a lot of that's generally well understood in psychology, right? right. What we need is people to look and think about what's going on. You know, if, if you'll go to our show notes and you'll see that the New Yorker was talking about Hunter Biden in July of last year. If you're the kind of person, and I doubt any of our listeners are, but if you're the kind of person who says, oh, the right made this thing up, then why was the left talking about it a year ago? Right, right. You know, and, and the ability, the, 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 the only thing that concerns me about like the, the gains made, like we talked about with the, with the black and Hispanic communities is like, what is the attention span of America right now? It seems to be about six and a half seconds, mm-hmm. right? I mean, America, not the, to those two groups, all of us. Right. We just right. like forget what happened yesterday. And again, look at 1984 and how the whole damn book is about this guy's job is to rewrite history to match the current, the party's current agenda. That's, that's what we're dealing with in the media and somehow that's got to change. And uh, again, it's the core mission of what we're doing. So I, I know we'll you've got to jump it. on another call. Yeah. I, I did want to mention one last thing and something that I think is great. The fact that there was no blue wave finally right. might see Nancy Pelosi lose her authority as, as Speaker of the House. Uh, there's dissension in the ranks among the, among the Democrats. And, and my brother, who's the liberal, we were having this conversation the other night. It would be so great to just get all of these old ass people with their old ass philosophies out of power. Like whether it was Trump, Biden, Pelosi, I'm ready for some fresh new faces that are inspiring with charisma. And uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, I think that would be a welcome change, to, certainly to have her ass out of there. Yeah, I agree 100 percent. Um, but the Democratic Party's lurch to the left means that whoever comes after her is going to be worse than her. Well, uh, that's something we might we might have a speaker AOC. Uh, Jeez, man. Only seniority, but whatever. (laughs) Well, that is going to do it for this episode of Justified Pursuit. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, give us a uh, five star rating on Apple Podcasts. We certainly appreciate that. Helps us grow the show. Tell your friends. Tell your family. For Chisholm Cook, I'm Cable Smith. We'll see you guys next time. Pray for the country. Yes, indeed. Do that for sure. I couldn't wait to do my sentence. I broke out of the Nashville jail. I just crossed the line of Georgia. And I can hear them put out on my trail. I wash my hands in muddy water. I washed my hands, but they didn't come clean. Tried to do like Daddy told me, but I must have washed my hands in a muddy stream.